catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. The wheels turn, the roster moves, the portal heats up, it pulls down. It is a happening place. Ah, shit, I might halfway through this show. I might get in the portal. Welcome in from the Pink Seats podcast. The first and only Louisville football podcast here in the city of Louisville covering our great Louisville football program. Jacob Lane, Vince LaCoco, Matt McGavick. We got the full gang here and it is a busy time of year for the Cardinals. Is the portal, as I mentioned. It's busier than the freaking season, man. I mean, I think there's more more news in the last, I don't know what, Matt, the last week than there was in the last four months. But hey. That's the life we chose. The season is over. We keep it moving right along as we prepare for 2024. From the Pink Seeds podcast presented by Frankfurt Avenue Liquors and Wine. You can find them at 2115 Frankfurt Avenue right next to the Manhattan Project. They are the spot to stock up your bar, to stop in for a drink right there on Frankfurt Avenue, conveniently located on the way into downtown. If you're headed down there for a women's game, for a men's game, for a work event, if you're looking to host a work event, you can find Frankfurt Avenue Liquors and Wine there as well as LouisvilleDrinks.com. Can't thank them enough for bringing you all the show. We also want to give a shout out to our friends at Kern's Corner. They power the network, the State of Louisville Podcast Network, best chili in the city, home to the best patty mat, patty mat, hell, patty melt. I, mean, I might be able to spit that one out. I don't know. <laughs> in the city. So yeah, a lot of things happening here. Gentlemen, we got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, it has been a couple of weeks since we've all been back together. Vince has been on vacation, so we're going to quiz him on the portal happenings and see where we come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, he likes that one. No, Luckily, no. I, didn't have time. I didn't have time to prepare for that, so we're not doing that tonight. Oh, that would no, be great. No. That would Wait, be where's great. that guy to pass me notes that I need that was always in my classroom right now? I really need that guy. <laughs> Yeah, and then straight out of the Bass Pro pool, Matt McGavick, he joins the show tonight, oh man. We're God. glad to have him. Wow. <laughs> well, bold move going skinny dipping as a as a sh- grower, not a shower. <laughs> man, I want to know how cold that water was. Like, <laughs> it couldn't have been a pleasant experience. What it definitely was not any better was the fall into the rocks on his head uh, and then unconscious with his just big white male butt just out. Just like that for the world to see. And everyone's like, oh... Oh, this man. poor fella. This poor fella. Anyways, I kid, I kid. Lots to get into tonight. Not the Bass Pro Pool. We won't get into that. Um, at least not yet. We'll see. That's like a mid-season type of thing, depending on how it goes. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about because the portal, as I mentioned, been busy. Louisville's roster, completely different than what it was the last time when Matt and I turned the microphones on to talk about the USC loss uh, and to talk about the first kind of go-round of the portal. Uh, and we've also seen, uh, you know, some some movement with guys to the NFL or, uh, you know, to other schools. So we'll get into all of that uh, tonight as well as kind of talk about what that means for the roster for next season. Uh, but before we do that, each week we like to start the show off with happy hour with our friends from Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon. This is the best way to start the show off, uh, talking a little bit about the, the things that you would at the bar with the fellas. So, fellas, tonight as we, we dive into this and we pour up our glasses, I got to start here. Now, my favorite story from the weekend, and I'm going to go out of order from the show sheet, but uh, cheers to running it up, man. When you're the Saints and you got Jameis Winston, there's no no reason to uh, take it easy on your opponents and kneel. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I would imagine that most of our audience probably has heard this story, but the Saints uh, up big on the Falcons this past weekend. 
Jameis Winston in the game there, and they're on the way, like one or two yard line, get into victory formation, and then run the ball. Never seen that before. That was the first time I've seen anybody run the ball out of a victory formation. Vince, I want to ask you about this specifically. What are your thoughts on this unspoken or unwritten rule of football, right? We hear that a lot about baseball, but that you can't run the ball out of the victory formation. Uh, obviously, we saw Arthur Smith just get in completely embarrassed, yeah. right? Like, yeah. what a horrible yeah. way to have your 100%. That's not how you want to end your career. What a coach. horrible way in retrospect to have your career as the head coach come to an end. And I think that's probably why he was so pissed, man. I mean, at least he went over there and argued for it. I, in my opinion, like, I am not an unwritten rules guy of any shape, form. I'm a 3-0 count. Like, I'm not taking the pitch. If you throw it right down the middle, I'm taking a dead center 350. Like, it doesn't matter. It, at any point, if you, you know, if, at the end of the day, you're lining up, it's 11 on 11. You're playing football. You play till the whistle's blown. Especially with the dude, after hearing Jameis's reasoning behind it with uh, – Williams being what the leading uh, touchdown rusher last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense to like get your boy the ball in the end zone. I mean, sure. it really gives a damn. It's the freaking Falcons. I you do it on Madden is, always. Yeah, run the I mean, score up. Stop me. Yeah. What? Stop me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's, it's it is know? odd. It is odd at like going out of an out of a victory formation though. That is like yeah. The weird. That, yeah, that's kind of saying that's kind of sneaky. It's one thing to run up the score. It's another to go completely behind the back of your coach and do it. That, See, that's the wrinkle, right? So that's the whole reason for this. Is Can't get fired. We found out after the <laughs> after the game, Dennis Allen did not call that play, which um, imagine at midfield what Dennis Allen was thinking, right? He's so conflicted because his quarterback just audibled out of a freaking meal to end not the me, game, scored a touchdown. This coach with this giant mustache is charging at him like a bull in a china shop. You got another coach that walks by and calls him a, a, a bitch-ass MFer, which is the funniest part in all of it to me. And Dennis Allen is like, look, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I don't know what just happened. And no chance Arthur Smith believes that, right? I mean, like, no, no way. No, no, no. No, you never believe that. I mean, no, like, what kind of bullshit lie is that, man? I you saw have it. To, you have to, like, I, guys, I've never, victory formation is a specific, they call it victory formation for a reason. Like, that's the only play you run out of it. Nope. So, like, they had to have practiced wrinkle. at some point blocking out of the victory formation. All right, here's the wrinkle. No, we're, we all know that no college football coaches probably listen to this show outside of Jeff Brom. So, Jeff, I know you're listening. Maybe Here Scott we go. Satterfield. Here we go. Play call right now. Run it at halftime. Fake it. That's an appropriate time to run in a victory formation is at halftime. Before you go into – if you got it in a reasonable field, you know, if you're you're within striking distance, boom, bam, put your fastest guy in as your, as your kind of lead blocker, which maybe they start to kind of like be like, what the hell are you doing there? But I'm telling you, that might work. So let's my, take My favorite that, one Jeff. is uh, driving. Same situation, Jacob. You're driving in the fake spike. You know, rush everybody up to the ball, get the defense thinking you're going to spike it because uh, whenever you're spiking it, you just got to have guys, you know, lined up. Everybody has to be on the ball so they don't throw the flag. Uh, but, I mean, man, if you could pop a pass off that, I'd just – yeah, I mean, get the deep because the defense is definitely slipping right there. And like, oh, thank God, I get a playoff. They're running no huddle. Yeah. I have no mercy for opponents. No mercy. No. 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 And Stop I hate it. it when it's done to me, too. It's like, yeah, yeah and I'm a bitch. Assault. <laughs> like, I hate <laughs> the same situation with them going for it right there. Victory formation is like the nose tackle that swipes at the ball when you are taking a knee. Yeah. The same whenever, uh, yeah. what's the name? Jalen oh, Carter. Yeah. 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 We praise like, him oh, for really, diving dude, for like, are we, Yeah. Are, are we doing this right now? Man, Victory Formation gives us storylines. I like it. That's a good podcast name, Victory Formation. I bet that exists out there, actually. I'm sure it I bet does. that is the show. Man. All right, how about this one? Cheers to leaving as the king of the hill. How about this one? You, you may not know what I'm talking about when I say that. That may not be as obvious. But last night, as the confetti fell, and we continued to see the trend of losers watching the confetti fall, in the midst of all of that, you have this incredible story of a head coach who likely cheated in some form or fashion, who's been this, like, I, I don't even know the the word of Legendary. how to describe him this year for his team. Like this immortal God who they, the, in the slightest bit of any type of punishment, it's a, it's a, it's a travesty and a crime. We've seen this weird kind of emotional uh, like connection with Jim Harbaugh, obviously being an alumni at Michigan, but now it's just, it's just weird, right? The whole thing is weird, Yeah, but he goes out. He wins the national championship and fellas, you would think that's the story today. And it, it rightfully should be is they won 34 to 13, pretty dominating fashion four rushing touchdowns, but no, it's not King of the Hill means that Jim Harbaugh is likely walking out 
to the NFL from college football as a champion in the last ever college football playoff. First title for Michigan since what, the 80s? I mean, really bring in 97. 97. Okay, close enough. Uh, point being, this is a big deal, right? This is Jim Harbaugh is now a god again in Michigan, right? There was this oh, like yeah. kind of like lull with him where he didn't do a lot, and now he's come back. He's beat Ohio State three, four years in a row. He's gone to the playoff two years in a row, national championship now. How about that? I, I, I mean, I don't really have the only issue I have with this whole like cheating thing is them sending him out to places. Other than that, I don't have an issue with stealing signs and everything like that. But yeah, because sure. I mean, the, the issue I have is the player meditating before the game, clearly for Instagram pictures, which <laughs> is like the most cringeworthy thing ever. I mean, I'm not, I saw that. I was like, all right, I'm cheering for Washington. Obviously, yeah. you know, it's with, heartbroken. With the sign stealing thing, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, everyone kind of does it to an extent with, you know, gamesmanship. I mean, what, what Michigan did, they went above and beyond. They went to like live games for like, what, two or three seasons or something like that. And like, the NCAA banned that practice in like the mid '90s, so it's not like a oh we didn't know. So or like, like there wasn't a loop, like a loophole or anything, like a small right. loophole where you could yeah oh. yeah. You all know my stance on this. Put the damn earpiece in the quarterback's helmet. It's nonsense to talk about stealing signs. Let them call plays in the helmet. Prepare for the NFL. It makes no sense why we continue to do this. But I will say the jobs out there that Harbaugh's connected to be rumored to the Raiders, which I find really interesting that they continue to just swing for the fences. They've missed now like four straight times. The Raiders I don't, I, need to hire Antonio Pierce. He's done a great yeah, job. You, He's the guy. Anytime you can have a head coach go out there in black Air Force Ones and have success, then that, that's your guy. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And then the, the Chargers, I almost said the Clippers. The Chargers, uh, a good fit as well. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what Bill Belichick does. It's like this, the coaching carousel is turning. Mike Vrabel was fired earlier this morning, which I think for New England, I, I told you all this in the group chat. I know they got a head coach technically, but if I'm them, why not go get the younger version of Bill Belichick, who's yeah, not the GM, yeah, man? Like, yeah. boom, bam. I mean, just fire Bill right now and yes, bring in exactly. Trailers. And if whether the coach, whether Belichick goes to the Chargers or the Commanders, regardless, I think for Harbaugh, if he does get that opportunity to go to the Chargers, it's a you're walking in with a Super Bowl contending type of roster with a couple of additions defensively, maybe on that offensive line. But you've got Justin Herbert, you've got Austin Eckler, who has been extremely underused. Uh, look at how 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 Harbaugh has used Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum this year. I mean, if you talk about being able to get the most out of Austin Eckler, Josh Kelly, and those guys there in Los Angeles, and then on top of that, you have uh, Mike Williams. You've got Keenan Allen, who is just continuing to live in the fountain of youth. Uh, you got Quentin Johnson, who I know dropped a ton of passes, ton of criticism. Oh this my year. god, I've never dropped anyone off my fantasy team quicker. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Well, <laughs> hey man, you get you get the right quarterback, the right coach, and in, in that kind of situation, and boom, bam. I've right been back the minority. In the Super Bowl. I think he's coming back to Michigan. I I think like with how NIL and stuff is now, it's such a sweet setup for I mean college coach, especially that situation. All you have to do is beat Ohio State. That's all you have to do. Yeah, every single I, year, and then you'll have a year like this sprinkled in here every like two or three years where you're you're in the you're in the dance and yeah, you know, you get a really good shot of winning it. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole thing with being suspended for recruiting violations during COVID and then being suspended for I think he's gonna do the old Arbor Meyer get up it, out of here before. Yeah, I it's just there. get up out of here. But <laughs> here's the the thing I'll say this this hits home just for a second. I mean, I know he wasn't ever uh, you know a, in a position outside. I think offensive line, but. I think if you're talking about looking for who would replace Jim Harbaugh, cheers to Sharon Moore. I think that's the obvious choice. I mean, I think they could go out and they could find somebody, but why not promote from within? He proved that he could kind of manage all of it. He kept the guys together. You don't win. I know a no hitter typically has one one player who can who goes that whole way. But in this no-hitter for them, right, he steps in and he does his thing. They stay undefeated. They get to the national championship. They don't do that without him doing that job well, right? So I think that he's the perfect fit there. And um, I know that the guys who played for him and were here when he was a coach here, Vince, I don't think you all crossed paths, did you? No, no, he was definitely before me. Was it? See, I thought I, I yeah, couldn't remember. Was he the first? Was he Charlie Strong's era? Or was yeah, he Bobby? I think he yeah. was Strong. Yeah, yeah okay. He was, he was Charlie. That's right. That's right. Well, cheers to him, man, potentially stepping into that role. And that's a perfect job for, for him to step into. And it's made for that to continue to go on for, for the next couple of years. Nobody loves a half price drink more than I do or a nicely poured drink at happy hour than I do. But are you taking the Ravens in the AFC 
or are you taking the field in the AFC? And then are you taking the Ravens for the Super Bowl, or are you taking the field for the Super Bowl? Uh, man, I don't I'm, know. I'm, a tough one. I'm going to take the field only because we haven't seen Lamar have a deep playoff run yet. Hater! I hate no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Plus, no, I think the same thing. <laughs> plus, the, the Bills are starting to get going now. I mean, Miami kind of petered into the playoffs, but, like, they've got dudes all over the place. That Even though the, the Niners, they're really good. I mean, I know they're not AFC, but, I mean, taking the field for the Super Bowl in general. I mean, there's a lot of, like, pretty solid teams. And the Ravens are very good, and I think they are the Super Bowl favorite. But I, I got to see it first before I like can just I'm just outwardly convinced that they're just going to go on a massive run and win the Super Bowl. I'm taking the field. Dolphins are winning it all. I have a three hundred fifty dollar oh, you good. know gimme bet. That's good. oh get out of here with your Need bets it. driving your your wants and needs. Oh no, I I want to be able to buy a. A Dolphins Super Bowl sweatshirt in my lifetime. <laughs> <That'd> be nice. <laughs> yeah, just like my dad, I'm sure once a Raiders one. Well, hey, they hired Jim Harbaugh. He might be there. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens just to be a contrarian to you too. And just, I, I think it, I think like, it's time, man. It but is dude, definitely you, time. It feels like this is the year for sure. How old are you? 25, 26, 26. Okay, and Lamar's 25. So here's the difference. In Lamar's 26. Yeah. So Lamar is going to be 26 years old, or he just turned 27. Whatever it is, with two MVP trophies, a Heisman trophy, and potentially a Super Bowl. Vince, what have you done with your life at this point to be? What do you? What well, do you think? I have a degree. I have a degree from Louisville. What's does he have that? I I hope I don't know. He's got a street with that is eight miles per hour right by the stadium though. Do you have one that's forty five <laughs> or fifty two? <laughs> I'm curious. No, <laughs> no, it's like 38 and 52 as well. No, I don't. Yeah, sorry, I got you mixed but, up. But I mean, Joshua. like, it's. I, I mean, I think about that often. <laughs> <laughs> right, same. Like, look, I think I'm 30, man. Like, and it's I have like, far less accomplishments see, under my belt. What's his age? I'm looking. He's 27, right? I mean, there's dudes playing like, college football that are his age. Whenever he showed up, uh, off that bye week. After his MVP with like the iced out everything, I was like, dude, I, this is this is money. I, I don't know if I will ever see a mind title. <laughs> well, right. fellas, cheers to a, a great couple of of days here with football stories, uh, good and bad. It's it's it was a fun weekend, man. The Jameis Winston, uh, he has my heart, man. Oh, here, here's over. Yeah, I know, I know it is. It, I know it is. And Vince, what I'm gonna say, I, this that is gonna sad, like, stab like, you in the heart. But I sat a college basketball Saturdays are just as fun. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. Not even close. Not even close. But what I was gonna say was Jameis Winston. In my lifetime of going to games and seeing opponents is the best football player I have ever seen in my lifetime. Like in person, in the flesh, that second half in 2014. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, my God. I mean, I was just like, this is not fair. This is not fair the way he is dicing this defense up. And him and Dalvin Cook, I mean, it was just insane. But I ever since then, I love Jameis Winston. I know he's had, obviously, a lot of really bad moments. I'm not discounting that. All right, well, let's talk about the transfer portal. That is the news of the last couple of weeks. Louisville is staying busy now. How many commitments, Matt? I think we're up to uh, 24 the last I checked. Okay, 24 transfers in. Uh, Matt, how many transfers out at this point? Do you have that number handy? We have seen, scrolling, 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 good Lord. We have seen 18 scholarship players transfer out. 18 scholarship players transfer out. Uh, so there's been a lot of movement, uh, to say the least, and and really a lot of movement to start prior, right after the season ended. But now this has been kind of the most commitments or the most run-on commitments over the last, what, 48, 72 hours for Louisville yeah. since then. Um, that number has grown exponentially. And, Matt, when you and I did this show last time, hindsight's a funny thing. Last time we did the show, I told you that Louisville needed to get busy in the portal. They needed to go out and they needed to add starters and they needed to add impact players. And for the most part, I have some questions on a couple of pieces, but for the most part, Louisville listened and you can credit me or you can credit whoever you want, but I'm just saying <laughs> it's, it's been a very productive couple of days for Louisville. Just real quickly, I want to run through this, not to bore anybody, but simply just to kind of state where we are. So since the last time we recorded, Louisville has landed commitments from the following players. 
Jarente Davis from Texas A&M, who also played at Jackson State and MTSU. Jalen Kimber, who was from Florida, uh, but played at Georgia prior to that. You have Dave McCullough, a defensive back from Oklahoma. Tamarion McDonald, who is a defensive back from Tennessee, who had been previously committed to Ole Miss. Here we go. We got this jumping multiple portal stops in the same portal cycle. Uh, next up, Antonio Meeks, a wide receiver from Tuskegee. I, think I, believe, I believe that's a Division II school. Then D2. you have D2, yeah. Then you have Rashid Miller, offensive lineman from Georgia Southern. Ruben Unige, I believe is how you pronounce that. We're going to – we'll find out, I guess. As we I get think it's Unige, but Unige. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Uh, offensive lineman from Houston, and then you have Wesley Walker, another defensive back from Tennessee. Um, out since the last time we recorded, Keith Brown, linebacker who has landed at Washington State. You have Jeff Clark, a defensive end. That, that was one I kind of wish he would have stuck it out. I think he was yeah. productive and just didn't have the sack numbers, but was really uh, a guy who got after the quarterback pretty good throughout the season. He's landed at Arizona State. You have Derek Edwards and William Fowles, who uh, land at Charlotte and Appalachian State. Mari Huggins-Bruce, one of the biggest uh, kind of deflections from this offseason, probably one of the more impactful transfers, goes back home to South Carolina. And then we have Cam Wilson headed and following Brian Brown uh, and Scott Satterfield back up to Cincinnati. Uh, and then finally, there have been a couple of NFL decisions that have been made. Isaac Gariendo, we kind of expected him to capitalize off of that strong finish as the backup who uh, took over for Jawar Jordan with those injuries late in the season. Scored all those touchdowns. I think it was like, what, Matt? Eight touchdowns over the final four or five games. Yeah. Uh, and then I believe Storm Duck came after our last episode. It might have been slightly before. I, I honestly have lost track of time. What is time at this point? Uh, and then you have Willie Tyler, who announced, I believe, earlier today or yesterday that he is headed off to the NFL. So uh, a key name that we're missing there is Quincy Riley. We're still yet to hear what's going on there. Did Dwayne Martin retire? I'm still waiting on an announcement. I'm hoping Dwayne Martin comes back. Is that an option? Did he he's, exhaust? He's got, I'm pretty sure he's got one more. Dwayne, year. man, let's have. A, come on, Dwayne, one more, man. Yeah, let's yeah, let's call Isaac up and get Isaac to to make that phone call. One more for Dwayne. One more right. year. I think my one of my favorite moments of the season was Vince saying that he could run behind him with the ball in the air and feel comfortable. One hundred percent, dude. That was I mean, a great line, man. I still think about that whenever he was laying those blocks late in the season, but um, that's the end. That's the out. There's still some targets on the board. No one, you know, we're seeing some names out there. Tyler Barron from Tennessee. Then, you know, the pictures that Wesley Walker and Tamari McDaniel, uh, McDonald, who are all, were all at Tennessee. Uh, Barron also is committed to Ole Miss. You see those out there. Who knows what it means? Cryptic social media posters. Who knows, man? Kids these days, right? Hey, I'm okay taking all the Ole Miss players. You know, they took Jordan Watkins. I'm still a little bitter off. And that Monty, one. man. I think I'm both. Monty, I'm not bitter off. I'm not bitter off. Yeah, uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you, you could live with that one. Well, um, so let's do this. Let's just kind of talk through this. Um, what do we think uh, in terms of additions, Matt? Is there a guy? Oh, let me first say this: Jalen Kimber committed again. We talk about this portal hopping. Uh, it's almost like Tinder at this point, man. You get a match, you swipe feel good left. about him. And just, no, I'm just going to swipe real quick. Um, now rumors and predictions coming in that he could end up at Penn State. Some have signaled that that could mean Quincy Riley might be coming back. I'm not trying to draw conclusions. I feel like Charlie Kelly right now, but maybe. Maybe, right? So, Matt, I, I come to you because you've covered 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, we'll call the 17 articles that you've written about all of these guys either transferring in, out, or to the NFL. What is the single most impactful decision that's been made? Just of this run, let's not open that back up to what happened with okay. like Josh Meekins and, 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 and Lacey and, and Tyler Shuck, but just more of the guys that I mentioned here. Uh, you know, obviously, Mario Huggins Bruce, but then you have that, you know, uh, Antonio Meeks, you got Wesley Walker, these guys that are, you know, pretty productive players where they're coming from. Um, technically a part of this run is, um, Penny Boone. Cause he was the first to commit. And I think he committed, uh, this past Friday. So like less than a week ago, I'm, I'm going to go with him just because, I mean, if, if you see his build, watch his film, look at his stats, he's, he, he's, a, he's a monster. I mean, he's, he's nicknamed the baby bust for a reason. I mean, he's, a a slightly taller, slightly less thin version of Jerome Bettis. And he can he can catch a little bit better than Bettis did. He's he's got that physical bruising aggressive run style. And I mean, it seems that while 
in the running back position, it was more so noted for like speed more so than anything else because of you no know, jaws. Uh, Isaac Garendo, he had power and physicality, but he also had that extra gear of speed. Mo Turner's got speed. It seems like Louisville's run style for 2024 is just going to be run through a motherfucker's face because Penny Boone is exactly that kind Dude, of person. And you, plus his, oh, backup Matt. In, his backup in Don Chaney is the exact same way, too. Bro, the guy Louisville pulled from Miami. I formation, just if we can dream for a second, Dwayne Martin blocking for Penny Boone. Can you, you're talking about some poundage right there, man. That's some serious poundage. That's some Big Ten football right there. <laughs> I love it. I like sign me up. For I'm it, excited man. to see him run through a lot of these ACC arm tackles that you see a lot in the holes, which Isaac, you know, made a lot of his money on, in my opinion, was just people. I mean, tackle coaches, it's hard to teach tackling nowadays with how football is scheduled out. You can't exactly go 11 on 11, 24 7 nowadays. So, I mean, I, I'm pumped for him. That's going to be you, fun. I've never thought I'd be more excited for like running backs in a Jeff Brom offense. Right. Oh, and I, it's a. It, before he committed, though, you know, there were – well, we were still kind of waiting for Isaac Ariendo's decision, although we kind of – I think most knew in the back of their minds that he was – you looked at that running back room and you're like, shit, they probably need more than what they have. And what's really interesting to me now that we know that Jalen Lucas, sadly, will end up at Florida State is they have leaned into the power running game. Like, you look at Mo Turner, who I know has speed but is a bigger back, Donald Chaney, same, very similar to Mo Turner. And then Penny Boone. Like, there is no Jawar Jordan in this bunch. There is no, like, just... Javion Hawkins, Hassan Hall. Right. There's It's it's right. a run-heavy eye formation. It's like a bunch of Michael Dyers. To me, I feel like, now that I kind of think about it, it signals more confidence in the passing game because they're going to lean on a lot of being able to move the sticks via the passing game and then rely on finalizing the deal, getting those first downs with guys who can run three, four yards of carry. You know See, what I mean? So it's just, it's it's beautiful football. See, I'm, I agree with you on that, Jacob. I also think it complements their counter run game really well with us pulling, uh, you know, on the inside, pulling the guards in center, uh, that's right up these guys' alley in terms of success. Matt, let me ask you this. Here's a question for you. Louisville's added a lot of offensive linemen this offseason, so much that I'm like, where, where are these dudes playing? They got more positions I've not heard about, like, you know, like ultra left guard and, you know, outside flanker guard and all the – like, how else are they going to get these dudes on the field? But you're talking about you've added Monroe Mills, and we're going to get into this later when we get into cash it or trash it, uh, but Monroe Mills – You've got um, the offensive lineman from Northern Illinois, not pronouncing his last name until I hear it out loud because it's <laughs> dangerous. We've seen another name going viral for all the wrong reasons. Wow. That was, that, was almost, that was almost in cheers, too. <laughs> yeah. So then you've got Jonathan Mendoza, and you've got Rashid Miller from Georgia Southern, and you've got Ruben Unigi, and you've got all these guys, all these guys that are coming in. I probably missed that. you got Victor Cutler from Ohio State. Are they getting more athletic up front? Are they getting beefier? What What is the offensive line kind of rounding out to become more of since they're going to replace three, four of these guys in the starters? Uh, they're, they're getting more depth first and foremost, just because through the majority of the season, um, Jeff Brom only really employed a six, maybe a seven man offensive line rotation. And the only, only reason that really, went to um seven is because Renato Brown got hurt and they had to play Austin Collins more. So and and the offensive line was just okay. I mean it was decent. The pass blocking was solid. The run blocking was a little was left to be desired there just because you know the running backs kind of masks masks some issues there. Now you see the running backs having the success they have and you automatically assume that, oh, the offensive line is probably, you know, doing a really good job opening up holes for them. And they were kind of, eh, they were okay at it. They weren't not great, not terrible. So I think across the board and not just uh, offensive line, um, Louisville has been, has been really decisive when it comes to building depth, like at all positions, because – they saw firsthand what a team looks like when they do have depth at all positions and USC and they blew the doors off of them. 
So this looks to me like an attempt to not maybe not focus on just guys who are going to going to be like penciled in as a starter day one, which there are some guys in in this like latest recruiting run who I think have a very good chance at starting. But it's also going to be about just trying to find like good quality depth, because as we all know, no team gets to the end of the season fully healthy. Far from it. There's going to be injuries. There's wild. Yeah, I know, right? There's there's going to be injuries. It there's it it only really depends on how many injuries that Louisville's going to have and the severity of the of the injuries that Louisville's going to have. But the injuries are coming, so they're going to need to find in order not find. They're going to need to have a ton of depth on on offense, on defense, help maybe even on special teams. Screw it. They, they, that's just something that that I've noticed from this entire portal recruiting cycle, not just the last like week or so. Yeah. I mean, they have a ton of guys on the offensive line though. Like I would love to see Madden Sanker get involved in this unit in year two. Like that should be happening with a guy who is the highest rated offensive lineman in program history, Luke Burgess, Sam Seacrest. You've got, you know, Joe Crocker, you've got guys that they added and then not to mention Ransom McDermott, some of the offensive linemen in the recruiting classes. So they've got a lot of guys. Now it's all about being able to get them on the field and getting them capable of contributing when needed. As we saw late in the season, Louisville's depth just simply was a, a, an issue with, with keeping productivity and keeping execution um, as the top most priority. And, and ultimately that's what you need to win. So um, yeah, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen there um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think Louisville continues to get better. I mean, I think, Obviously, when you look at their offense, or when you look at their their lineup from a defensive standpoint, you kind of know that you're obviously bringing back Ashton, you're bringing back Mason, you're bringing back Jared Dawson, Des Tell. You feel really comfortable about that unit. We know that they added Thor Griffith in the first run, uh, Jordan Garrard from Florida International, some very experienced, product, very productive players. Global's got that figured out. Then the linebackers, Unless something changes, we both, I think we all three agree that Jalen Alderman and TJ Quinn earned their keeps and will continue on as the primary guys, which means you need to add depth around it. We see that with some of the pieces they've added. Jerry and Davis, this guy who could probably be an impactful transfer as a, as a reserve, maybe fill in when needed. But yeah, where watching, did you watch it? I watched some of his highlights, and he's a dude that, like, I'm more than comfortable being that third man off the bench for either or either of the two inside linebackers. He he reminds me a lot like a Momo like, with the way he plays. I'm not sure if you if you thought the same Matt, but uh, I yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's people will see that he was just a reserve linebacker at Texas A&M and didn't play and play like what five two, games, three yeah, games, I think, yeah, five, something like that. And they'll be oh, this dude's trash. But like, no, I mean, at every literally at every school he went to, yeah. He was good and put up productive numbers. Hell, at, at the JUCO level, he was an All-American. Yeah, his highlights at JMU were fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Or Jackson yeah, so State, sorry. It, it, it's pieces like that. Like I mean, I think it, it's a lot like the year before where they couldn't get their safeties off the field under Satterfield in his last season because of the injuries that they had there. Last year, I think the linebackers just ultimately kind of had their worst performances late because they no one really stepped into that third and fourth role. I mean – Stanquan Clark made plays here and there, but, you know, Keith Brown, obviously now at Washington state barely played this season. We didn't see really anyone else step in Jackson Hamilton played sparingly, but now off to, to Georgia tech. So they needed to kind of fill in the pieces there. But what I was getting at Matt and Vince is that the big kind of focus here is the secondary. The secondary was exposed late in the season. Storm duck, Jarvis Brownlee, both um, really were put on uh, full display in a bad way against Florida State when they could. I mean, obviously, Florida State didn't throw the ball a lot, but more so in games prior to that and then in the bowl game against USC. And so Louisville responds by going out and bringing in guys like Tamario McDonald from Tennessee, Wesley Walker, um, you know, obviously some other pieces that were in the, the portal earlier this season that they that they brought in who will be contributors in that back end. And then you bring in, you know, uh, MJ Griffin back from injury, and you're talking about a group that can be – Pretty dangerous. What what are your thoughts on just the secondary in general and how they've kind of rebuilt that entire position group? Well, it's the safety room definitely got a lot better. Just be and not to throw shade on guys like you know Cam Kelly and uh, Josh Minkins, but I mean the guys that they have coming in. I mean 
not to, I mean, they're upgrades just because of the pedigree that they have, the quality and the quantity of the guys that they have now. I mean, you've got Devin Neal coming back who he had his moments at times, but I'm like, he was an all ACC safety this past season. Um, MJ Griffin's going to be coming back from, uh, from his injury and heading into this season, I thought he was probably Louisville's top NFL prospect just because of how much of a difference he made oh, no. in the second half of the year in 22. Um, okay, you've got those two. And then I think um, to Marion McDonald, he's he could be like a, an X factor on this defense just because in, in Tennessee's scheme, he played the star position, but – in that scheme, instead of the star here where it's like a linebacker safety hybrid, um, the star in the Vols defensive scheme was like a nickelback. But that only just adds extra versatility to like what Louisville can do just because Ben Perry is already that piece. But if they want to add like an additional true defensive back, just kind of plug into Marion there, depending on like what kind of looks you're facing. And then with Wesley Walker, I mean, that's another – starting safety in the SEC for a team like Tennessee who went, I think, nine and four this past season. Where where it gives you the huge advantage is that dime package, Matt. Anytime you can put you can bring off a linebacker yes. and bring in a safety DB in and feel more than comfortable with them filling the gaps on the run and covering the pass with how they naturally do. I mean that's that is a home run. Absolutely. And then you got a guy like Blake Blake Ruffin who's a local kid who was an FCS All American at Eastern Illinois, I believe it was. Yeah, where did you go to high school? Tony Romo, man. He went to Trinity. Yeah, I forgot. How did you forget? I you didn't. didn't. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and Dan McCullough is a four, former four-star guy. Uh, D'Angelo Hutchinson looked good in the spurts that he played. I mean, safety. I don't. I don't think it's going to be the strength of the defense, but I mean, safety's in good shape. What is the strength of the defense? I think is it's the Defensive yes, line. Yeah. I think they need to add another Ooh. edge rusher for depth, but like the D line, especially the interior of the line. Oh God, it's nasty. And it that's is. where that's where you win football games on both yes. sides of the ball. You saw oh. it in the national championship game with the push Michigan's O line was getting against Washington. Oh, they bored the hell out of Washington. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, they were getting a three four yard push on them every time. I just I I think last year you saw parts of the roster kind of exposed for not being talented enough, not having enough depth. And as you watch the Michigans and the Alabamas and the Texases and the USC's, and Matt, you made this point even when we were on the show last time, is that these programs are just like there's five of these dudes at every position. Like Louisville's got to continue to get to that point slowly but surely. Uh, they're doing so, and this portal run is is really impressive. And I don't think it's over; that it'll continue on. You know, obviously, we'll probably do more episodes about the portal as, you know, its act- activity kind of fluctuates. But um, Louisville is sitting in a good spot with what they've added. Um, before we jump in into a commercial break and then come back on the other side and, and kind of talk about this in, in a bit more of a predictive style, I do want to talk about the wide receiver room because you do obviously lose Jamari Thrash, Kevin Coleman out to Mississippi State, Mari Huggins-Bruce also to the SEC to South Carolina. Chris Bell is back, but you really kind of had to rebuild that room. And we saw late in the season that the wide receivers outside of Jamari, as he dealt with that wrist injury, just could not get productivity happening consistently. One would pop here and there, big play here and there, but nothing to really write home about to the point where you look at the end of the stats for the receivers and you say, man, there was really a pretty big drop-off from receiver one to receiver two. I mean, Chris Bell finishes with 407 yards compared to Jamari Thrash, 858 playing, what, six games with a broken hand, whatever it was, wrist, whatever. So Louisville really needed to figure out how to blow that room up, how how to get them better, and how to give Tyler Shuck a real opportunity to have a great season. Matt, what are your thoughts on the additions that they've made? I know, obviously, you get really manhorny for Ja'Cory Brooks. That's a that's a, a really excited addition for you. Um, Colin Lacey from South Alabama comes from a really, really solid football program, very well coached. I expect big, big things from him. And then, you you know, you bring in guys like Antonio Meeks, very, very under the radar from Tuskegee. So the fact that trying to find statistics outside of a Matt McGavick article is pretty impossible. Um, so what do you think, Matt, overall? Do you think they're getting better? Do you think that they're average, about the same? What do you think? I, I do think they're getting better just because there were – while they did reload the wide receiver room last year, 
there were still like a few questions like you still needed to see like how some guys were going to perform going from last year to this year there were a couple guys who are like relatively unproven he now with like your top three options are a lot more proven or have a lot more experience i mean I know people really like Colin Lacey, and by all means, great receiver. He's he's going to get his fair share of catches because like he's he's a volume slot type guy. But I mean, Jacory Brooks, when he was healthy in twenty two, he was a monster, and he made winning plays for Alabama both in twenty two and in twenty one. I remember that uh, game winning drive in twenty one from um, Alabama in the Iron Bowl where they had to win on that last second touchdown drive to even get into the SEC championship game. Yeah, Corey Brooks caught that touchdown. Yeah, like he he makes plays like he and he just kind of got buried on the depth chart because he started the season hurt, and Saban just kind of glossed over him. I mean, if Brom can tap into his true potential, Brooks could lead. I think Colin Lacey will lead in receptions, but I think Corey Brooks can lead in yards. Yeah, because- I wish I had their problem of glossing over a receiver like this. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot I had him and Tyler Harrell on my roster and. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. This but... this this uh this Antonio Meeks kid though. I watched some of his highlights. You didn't watch his highlights. His highlights are, are, f- are fun, <laughs> right? The whole like fake spin move thing that he did to separate. Dude, I'm him. here for this kid. What he, do you think? He, I I like the fact that he goes up and gets the damn football. Like if at all his highlights, I felt like somebody was like they were all contested catches. Like somebody was in his shit and he was going up and getting the ball. I don't know. He reminds me of. I don't know. I think he'll be a good red zone. Maybe maybe a good red zone guy, maybe down the road. Obviously a project. He's a dude that like McGee's gonna have to put some tools in the tool bag, as Brew like yeah. to say. Obviously for, the question for, there. For like, yeah, obviously the question there is like how he's gonna transition making the jump from not even FCS to FBS. Yeah, right. One. Like there's obviously gonna be like a learning curve there. But I mean the, the dude has shown potential. Yeah, I'm here for it, man. I mean, productivity, you know, it, it just it, it's what you need when you're building out a roster, whether he's the fifth guy, the second guy, third guy, whatever it is, you, you got to continue to find guys who can be productive for you when they get on the field. Um, I have a name for you. I did this last offseason with TJ Quinn. Matt likes to think that he did it before me, but I said it first. Um, we can be we can be equal in our prediction. But here's my my pick for this year. OK, there's a guy that I think is in the wide receiver room that no one's talking about. And that's fine because there wasn't much productivity um to associate with him but we cannot forget about developing the young guys when it comes to the portal and when it comes to the roster and i think a sneaky productive player next year is going to be Qatar six assuming that he's on the roster and assuming that uh louisville is able to keep him you know obviously if he stays healthy and, and able to stay in the playbook and continue to grow but um the dude is a lightning bolt they have a need at the slot to find guys, uh, what, whatever it's a slot, the X or the Z, whatever it is. Like they need guys who can run that go route and can can you know run past some dudes. I'm here for it. Yes, Vince. Like my, my question is, like, could you move Maurice Turner over into that position? Like, does he maybe, maybe a slot back? Yeah, man. Like, I feel like there's got to be a way to get that speed, the ball, and open more open space than what I feel like he runs into too much clutter when he is getting the ball as a running back, and it would be a lot more beneficial if he got an alley screen, a tunnel screen, or maybe an over route, something, or just a scene. Look, man, I, he's just taking the top off. That's what they did with Tyreek in, in the NFL. And, I mean, he beat Tyreek in a foot race, so. Block and release, man. It's one of the most underrated things that you can do with a running back when a team is bringing pressure, especially if you've got a back like him. I mean, we, we didn't see enough of that. We saw some, and like you said, like, guys – particularly, you know, if you're using him as an example, didn't really do a ton with it. But I think one of the big kind of underrated things that we're going to talk a lot about this offseason is what Mark Redman is going to do for this offense, the transfer from San Diego State at tight end. Um, and we we obviously knew from the interviews we did and just, you know, the general knowledge that you guys picked up watching Jeff Brom's tape and preparing for him to be the head coach that the tight end was going to be a, a big deal. And so finally, Brom gets a guy with NFL-level talent, NFL-level productivity, Vince, what does that do for a guy like Tyler Shuck when you have Ja'Cory Brooks and you have um, Colin Lacey and you have Antonio Meeks and you have all these weapons around you? What does that do when you have a guy like Mark Redmond who can demand a mismatch, who will find a mismatch and can make it happen? 
Yeah, well, I I like it because it just it makes Shuck feel comfortable. Shuck or Pierce, whoever's the guy back there, makes him feel comfortable with being able to like check the football down and not only Redmond being able to stay friendly and stay friendly to the quarterback, stay in front of his face and you know, be able to secure a catch, not just secure it, but get a field as well to get you more positive yards than just, you know, four yards or whatever it might be. Uh, but like you said, Jacob, the mismatches where he demands a mismatch, you know, in that number three, number three receiver situation where he's on a outside linebacker or he's on a safety, like that's something where Shuck is going to be able to look at and say, okay, I love this right here. I know we can secure a ball. Uh, so having that ability to, you know, utilize your size, go up and get it, be able to box guys out, post guys up, uh, and catch the ball is going to be huge for us this year. I'm, I'm excited. I, I think tight end is like one of the most, if not, you know, every position in football is important. And you could argue that it's the most important position on the field, but I love the tight end. Oh, I mean, you got to be able to block and run routes and like sure. block, like, like block, block. I'm not yeah. talking like a little sissy hand fight. Sure. Receiver sure. Block. No, I mean, you, you got to be, be able, able to, to block a defensive end and be yeah. able to run a route. Right. I, I've, I've often heard that it's described as one of the hardest positions to play because you got to be able to put dudes in the dirt and run like a ballerina. You know Some what I mean? Some people like, say that about yeah. fullback, but you know, it's not just... <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I, man, I'm one of those people, right? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm here. It's that, that melon, right? There's a campaign going on right now. That's like a big advertising campaign. And every time I see it, it makes me think of you. It's like, don't mess with your melon. I think Vince just used to run that melon into the wall for fun on a Tuesday. Like, yeah, pretty much full fun. pad Tuesday with Bobby yelling at me on the back. <laughs> no, serious, bro. Like, we saw it with, uh, I'll take you back to Cole Higatini, right? Whenever Cole was out there in that number three slot position, or even, you know, with his hand in the dirt at tight end, it was always a mismatch nightmare for, for any, any guy matched up to him. Yeah, as long as you got to do that can run and catch. I mean, at tight end, it it makes it hard, right? Because if it's a linebacker, you should be faster. You should be able to outwork them with your footwork and your route running. And if it's a cornerback, you should be able to put your butt into them and box them out and go get the football no matter what. Jimmy Graham is a great example of that. One of the best of our lifetimes. I mean, I know Tony Gonzalez, but one of the best at just being able to box out and go get the football. Like, you need that. So I'm excited about that. But, Matt, let me ask you this, though. What what does Louisville get as an offense from the quarterback? Like, is this a guy that's going to spread the ball around? Is this a guy that is going to like what is what is Tyler Shuck going to bring to the field? Because I think fans got really frustrated with the game management angle, and they just want a guy who's a little bit more dynamic with being able to go out. And I told you all this last offseason. What are we going to see when Jack Plummer has to win you the game? What does that look like? That's why people slept on Louisville early. Ultimately, in the end of the season, we saw what it looked like. But, Matt, what does it look like? Can Tyler Shuck win you football games? So the big thing with Shuck is that he could he can make the throws that Plummer simply couldn't. With Plummer, he had good velocity on intermediate passes. When it came to the deep balls, he he didn't have a lot of juice behind him. Shuck has that arm power. And not only that, we saw in spurts this season how Brom wanted to kind of incorporate the quarterback in the running game. And Plummer was efficient for what he was, but he's not a running quarterback. He is mobile, but he is not a runner. But Shuck is a runner. He can make plays with his legs. Not only not only extend the plays or you know salvage a play, but go out and make a play with his legs. He's a little too aggressive when it comes to being physical with his run style. So that's something that he's going to probably going to have to adjust because, you know, injury history and whatnot. But like, this is a guy who can win you go out and win you the game based off talent and physical intangibles. Jack Plummer was more so of like the game manager. Shuck is definitely more of a playmaker. I like it. I like it. Louisville needs it, man. Got got old real quick watching a quarterback throw the ball four yards, and that was about it. Um, in terms of completing the pass, he threw threw quite a bit deep, but it, no one was home most of the time. I just want to so, see like a proper deep ball form whenever the ball is thrown. Like Jack used to throw his like that back leg all the way around like a pitcher. I've discussed it on the show plenty of times. Like that bothered me to no end. You want fundamentals, sound, sound. You want fundamental man. football. That's right. All I want eye formation, and that is it. Well, like we said, a lot of power run game in our future. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and so 
very interesting couple of weeks for Louisville, as we've talked about at depth here um, in the portal. And and as I mentioned, it'll continue on. Uh, Matt, what's the is there a date? Does the portal end? I know the portal closed, but is it just a matter closed. of yeah? Is there a drop dead date when you got to be in school? Is that dependent upon what school you transfer it depend, to? It depends on when you transfer. There's not a specific date in which you have to exit the portal. There is a specific date then that you have to enter the portal, unless you're a grad transfer. They can kind of come and go as they please. Okay, NCAA, can I vote to petition to move this all after Christmas? That's what I'm saying. We got like this is ridiculous, man. It's so stupid. We talked about this on the last episode. It's the dumbest thing to have your season still going on and teams are just completely dismantled. Like my solution was pay the players in the bowl game. Why not take a million dollars of that sponsorship money and split it up with the winning team? That will make players stick around and play in that bowl game. I'm telling you. Even if you're not a reserve, you're going to get paid. Or just hire a committee of five SPAD students from anywhere around the country and they could resolve this situation for you in 30 minutes because they've all written head assignments on it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. Like, As a SPAD student myself, I can I – mean, yeah, back in the day, it was whether students can get paid. We were past that at this point, man. We, that article and that speech I gave back in 20 Yeah, I would have been screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gave that, that speech twice, I think, in my college career. Why athletes should be paid. All right, well, let's transition into uh, a commercial break here. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll do cash it or trash it, talking through the transfer portal and some other um, topics with Louisville football. Uh, but don't miss out on an opportunity to stop into Frankfurt Avenue Liquors. As I mentioned, 2115 Frankfurt Avenue, right next to Manhattan Project. They are a full bar and package store, whether you're looking for a crafted uh, handcrafted cocktail or whether you're looking to take home the a local six pack they've got everything there they've got coolers with cold beer they've got uh, the shelves stocked with a variety of different bourbons and whiskeys tequilas all the great selections there under one place they are also a great great place to stop in and have a drink at the bar host your event there whether you're doing a, a company event whether it's a personal event whatever the case is great spot to stop in and be sure when you are at the bar that you tell them that uh, your friends from the pink seats podcast told you to stop in there we'll, we'll be out there soon hopefully we can get these guys drinking some beer from their taps because i'm telling you man it's like that cardinal stadium beer it just hits different we'll be right back on the other side mr and mrs is for everyone from a more traditional 90 proof to a cash drink that's smoother in 2013, Russ going to the hole. Boy, could we use that right now. Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon covers tastes, all different tastes of preferences, six different bourbons that they're offering. Be among the first to try Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon, the official bourbon of State of Louisville and the Starting 502 podcast on shelves anywhere you find your liquor. And now online at Mr. and Mrs. Bourbon.com. Go check it out. Cash it or trash it. Try it. Here on From the Pink Seeds podcast presented by Frankfurt Avenue Liquors and Wine. Fellas, we've got five uh, topics here that we will run through. I've got five bets that that uh, I'm going to ask whether you're going to cash them or whether you're going to trash them. We'll keep this relatively quick since we ran over in the first uh, part of the show. But I think we've got some fun ones here, and these will be uh, pretty determining of what kind of season level has. But we'll start at the top. Penny Boone will finish 2024 with more yards than Isaac Giriendo did as a Cardinal in 2023. And for those of you who don't have the stats pulled up, Finished with 810 yards and 11 touchdowns. So, fellas, will you cash this bet or will you trash this bet? Matt, I'll start with you. I'm going to cash it. I don't know if he'll match the touchdown total just because there's so many weapons in the offense. But I, I do think Penny Boone is going to be the feature back in this offense just because, you know, he's got the experience. He's got the, you know, the talent level, the physicality. So, I, I'm going to cash it. I'm also going to cash it. I agree with Matt. I think he's going to be the feature back this year, although I would love to have disagreed because I feel like you're going to cash it as well, Jacob, because it is. It feels anytime you have a running back name, a baby nickname, baby bus on your on your team. Yeah, it's probably going to be your leading rusher and, and surpass 800 yards at least. Yeah. I am going to trash. It. I think wow, that. Yeah, I'm wrong. I, Shocker. I. I I think that Penny Boone is going to be very much a focal point in this in this offense, but I I just wonder until I see it how the speed translates up a level to the ACC from the from Mac football. Um, obviously, the numbers don't lie. The dude is talented for a guy that that is that size. He moves with relative ease, but I think when you're talking about Mo Turner, I think he is going to be the feature back in this offense. I think that he's going to be the guy that could potentially put up the leading rushing numbers, but I think it's going to be a little bit more distributed between the three of them than what we saw last year where you had jaws and then ultimately you had Isaac. So I'm going to trash that one. I think that 
Uh, he's going to finish closer to somewhere with like 650, 700, but I, I do think that he could have a seven, eight, nine touchdown season, just being that power back late in games and down in the red zone. All right. Number two here, Colin Lacey, Ja'Cory Brooks and Antonio Meeks, Louisville's three transfer receivers will finish one, two, and three in no particular order. So they could be one, two, or three in receiving yards in 2024. Matt, what do you think? I am I'm gonna I'm gonna trash it. I think I think either Chris Bell or maybe even one of the freshmen, Sean Boykin or Joseph Stone, could have a chance to crack in there. I'm I'm not super high on Jaden Thompson or Jimmy Callaway. I was hopeful about Jaden Thompson heading into the season, and I know he was hurt a lot of the year, but I wasn't super impressed when he when I did see him on the field. Uh, but out of anyone else outside of that trio, I think Chris Bell has a real chance to you know finish in the top three in receiving. So I'm I'm gonna trash it. I'm going trash as well. I'm going Brooks, Bell, Redman. I think the tight end is going to be top three on your receiving with this offense. And Jeff. that's a good one, man. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. I had a bonus one here, but I don't think we'll get into it because I think we are all in agreement. I'm going to also trash that Try. one. I think that when you're talking about the top three, it's going to be Lacey, Brooks, and then. I agree with Vince. I think it's either going to be Redmond there as that third or Chris Bell. But I do think that when you look at Chris Bell. Jimmy Calloway and Jaden Thompson, one, if not two of those guys will not be on the roster by the time 2024 happens. I, I would, yeah. I would, I will see which ones it is, but I would not be shocked at all. If after spring, we start to see these transfers kind of emerge as the go-to guys. And then maybe a guy like Jojo Stone, Katara Six, Sean Boykin, you know, I know they're not enrolled yet. I don't, at least I don't believe, but you'll start to see those guys kind of slowly come into the fold. So I'm going to trash that one as well. Um, We'll go ahead and skip over the bonus one just because we all trashed that one. So let's go into this one. Mark Redman will have more yards and touchdowns than all of Louisville's tight ends combined together for in 2023. If you're keeping track at home, that is Nate Kariski, Joey Gatewood, Josh Lifson, and uh, Dwayne Martin. They combined for 35 catches, 377 yards, and four touchdowns. So, fellas, are you cashing Mark Redman having more yards than the, and touchdowns than that or less than that? I, I want you to take your entire mortgage out and I want you to put it all on cashing this because it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. I promise you. There's no way Jeff's going to let that happen by any chance. I mean, I just think we talked about it. We talked about it all year. As soon as you unlock the tight end in this offense, it goes off to a whole different gear. And I think Jeff's finally got his guy to be able to do that. I'm torn. I, I'm going to cash it i mean it's probably it's gonna be a close to it but like i I agree with you vince i mean we saw what Payne durham did in jeff's last year at purdue i mean he went off and now he's in the league with i think he's with the bucks now and yeah like the a good a good go-to tight end can really elevate the ceiling of this offense so not completely convicted in this answer but yeah i'll cash it if he does surpass that, which I will also cash this, that would make him that would make him Louisville's third leading receiver in uh, yards last season and second in catches, just based off of where they finished. So just put a little thought into that in terms of how the numbers bared out with two, three, four, five, six, and seven at wide receiver. Um, all right, two more here. Louisville's starting offensive line will be a combination of. Um, again, this is positionless. We'll we'll plug them in later at another point. But Louisville's offensive line, when they roll out the football for game number one in 2024, will consist of a combination of Michael Gonzalez, Ruben Unigi, Monroe Mills, Pete, and Renato Brown. <laughs> Pete Niagara is what well, we can just go with that. Pete Niagara. Pete Niagara <laughs> Falls, baby. Pete Niagara Falls, Renato Brown. Matt, how are we feeling about that combination? Are you trashing that or are you cashing that? I'm trashing it. Um, I... The only one I don't think I would pencil in right now is probably Ruben. I think the other tackle spot's going to go to either uh, Lance Robinson or Jonathan Mendoza. I do really like those two. And plus Lance, Lance has already been with the program for a year and he got some run in the um the bowl game and looked looked solid. So I'm gonna trash it. I, I like the idea of this potential five being the group um you know obviously a lot of this is going to depend on Renato Brown coming back healthy 
I think that when you look at the track record Louisville's had with with Houston offensive linemen, I mean, it's just silly to me at this point. And, and there, I saw another Houston offensive lineman ended at like Florida State today or Alabama or something. Like, what is Houston doing, man? How do they keep producing this many offensive linemen who go That's to Power Five? Dogs schools? on the line, apparently. They really do, man. They really do. But I, I think that five. Ultimately, will be the five. I'm gonna I'm gonna cash this one. I think that that's the five, and where they shake out will be really interesting to see what they can do because Gonzalez can play guard, he can play tackle. You could play uh, Pete Niagara at center at guard. You could play Ruben Yanigi at tackle at guard. You could play Renato Brown at tackle and guard. So there's a lot of uh, versatility with that lineup, and I like it. I'm gonna cash it as well. I mean, mainly just because I don't know the rest of the offensive linemen that well <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. guys give me some time to learn your name hey, this used to happen every year whenever we get new guys coming in trust me i had to do dinner check there's nothing worse than telling a five-star i don't know your name straight to their face <laughs> that's that is fair i i don't know what that is imagine like. like those those kids they come in they think they're the shit and they, they're like oh man did everybody knows me back walk <laughs> on. Bro, i have no clue i'm just trying to get out of here and go to bed <laughs> But, yeah, they do have – I mean, if you include Jonathan Mendoza, Lance Robinson, Austin Collins, Rasheed Miller, and then you have um, Victor Cutler, Madden Sanker, I mean, that, that should theoretically give you 10 guys who can play on the offensive line. That's where you want to be uh, too deep at all times. Uh, so that's a good thing. All right, final one here. Switching up a little bit, going to the NFL draft with what we talked about earlier. We have already seen announcements from Isaac Guriendo, from Storm Duck, from Jarvis Brownlee. Um, from Dwar Jordan, Cameron Kelly, Jamari Thrash. So my my final bet here is that Louisville will have at least two players drafted in April's draft. Vince, are you cashing this or are you trashing this? I'm going to trash it. I think that either Jawar or Jamari is going to get drafted, and that's it. And the rest will be undrafted free agent guys. Now, I do think this is like a better chance of a lot of the undrafted free agent guys sticking on teams and not getting cut and you know waved and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna trash it. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I know it's a wide receivers league now, so I'm anxious to see how Jamari bounces back off of this wrist and hand thing. But at the same time, with how the Niners are running their offense, I have a feeling people are gonna start to shift a little bit more towards that. So obviously that would need more of a running back like Jawar. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I think just one, though. What do you think, Matt? I'm going to cash it. I think both Jamari and Jawar get drafted. Now, I, I know there's probably going to be some injury concerns with uh, both of them, especially uh, with Jaws, since you know running backs aren't really viewed as a hot commodity in the NFL nowadays. But I think when both were healthy and displaying their, their talents on full display, I think that that's enough film for scouts. You know what is a hot commodity? A rookie running back. They don't want that second contract. They'll take a rookie running back all day. That's right, man. And that's why like, I'm going to ultimately trash this as well. But when I look at this, like, I think Jamari and Jawar very well could be drafted. I tend just what has happened the last several years with Louisville guys we think could get drafted. They don't. I'm going to lean more on the side that only one does. But Isaac Ariendo is a sneaky one to watch because he – Finish the season so strong. If he goes to the East West Shrine game and he has a big week there and potentially either gets a comp, get it, say, either a senior bowl invite off of that or a combine invite, and he goes and he tests well. I mean, dude, the, the guy is a freak of nature with just the speed with that size. I don't know. Yeah. I Running backs are see. undrafted free agents I, more likely, but I, I just, you never know, like a team that just wants somebody that they could plug in on third down. You know what I mean? I could see the Rams picking him up and utilizing the shit out of him in a Sean McVay offense. I mean, like I said, the rookie contract running backs, they will exactly into the dirt. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for the position, but it is what it is. It's churn and burn, man. That's what they do in the NFL. They get you in, they get you right out. When By the time you're our age, you're seen as washed and retired. Like I, I'm, I fit the washed part, but the retired part, not quite. I would love a good retiring <laughs> at 30. That'd be nice. I'm definitely washed. Absolutely. <laughs> I definitely wash, but I often think about what I would do at 30 if I could retire. Now I know a lot of these guys go on to play, um, and, or not play, but do other things like shout out to Javion Hawkins, right? Joining the staff. What was it at, at Miami? Uh, was it at, at, at Jason? Is that what it was, man? That's it might have been Northwestern, but I'm not. It might have been, man. I think somebody joined. Oh, no, it's Teddy that's joining that staff. Uh, Javion Hawkins, I forget what one of the other schools in, in Florida, I think uh, close to his hometown. But 
you know, you see these guys move on to other things. CJ Avery getting into coaching now at Georgia State. Like these guys move on and ultimately do other yeah. things. It's but, pretty funny seeing him at the coaching convention. I did I was obviously wasn't there, but the pictures of him at the coaching convention, I'm like, wow. How how the tables turn or how the turntables. That's right, man. Call it. <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap it up here on From the Pink Seeds Podcast. Another great episode. Went a little longer than we expected to here, but when the portal moves, the portal moves, man. You gotta you gotta follow the portal as it goes. And that's exactly what we did here. Continue to follow along, subscribe to the show from the Pink Seeds Podcast, anywhere that you get your podcast from on YouTube at the State of Lou. You can follow us on Twitter at Pink Seeds Pod. Check out at UofL Report and the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, where the great work of Matt McGavick lives. All the articles, 17 of them, if you count all these players who we mentioned in the show, committing and decommitting and all that fun stuff. So Matt's been working. He's been on the grind. Check that out. Show some love. Um, and uh, follow us at the State of Blue as well. Can't thank you all enough. Shout out to Kern's Corner. Shout out to Frankfurt Avenue Liquors and Wine. And, uh, fellas, we'll be back. I don't know when, but we will be back soon as we get into the, the meat of the offseason and prepare uh, for a vacationless summer, right? Because there's no sleeping in local football. Oh, so, off-season and, content's the best, bro. That's oh. right. That's right. So we will see you all soon. But until then, enjoy this episode, which could probably be outdated by the time you get to this. Who knows? That's the way the portal goes. <laughs> Till next time, go Cards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.